Mark chapter number four. Continuing through the book of Mark. Mark chapter number four. I was thinking while Carolyn was singing that song that we can come to the table, we can dine with our Bibles, we can uh, get a word, get a, bre- a piece of the bread of life from the Lord Jesus. Again, I'll encourage you, I'll encourage you in your Bible reading. Uh, we ran out of, uh, so we printed off 50, we ran out, and I had 20 more, Jason printed off 20 more for us, and uh, this morning they were gone, so praise the Lord. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll get some more, I'll get some more uh, back there in the back, and Lord willing, that'll be an ongoing thing, we'll have them back there available. So no matter when you start, uh, from that day, if you follow that plan, you'll read it in a year. So I want to encourage you again to do that, it'll be good, amen? Mark chapter number four, Jesus speaks to us tonight through the form of a parable. Mark chapter 4, verse number 1. I'm going to do, we're going to read all the way to, uh, to verse number 13, and then we'll go a little further from that in the sermon. Mark chapter number 4, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Amen. The Word of God says, And he began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, because it had no root, it withered away. And verse 7, and some fell among thorns, and thorns grew up, and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and it did yield fruit that sprang up, and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred. And he said unto them, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were with him... They that that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. Lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know you not this parable? How then will you know all parables? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray tonight you'll give us your word. You'll bless your word. Lord, you'll help me. Forgive me of my sins. And Lord, I pray, Lord, you would fill me with your spirit and give us the ears to hear that we may understand. Lord, I pray that we've come tonight with our ears open. And we come, Lord, ready to receive your word. And Lord, again, the burden that we have is that we might be a Bible church. And Lord, I pray you help us to be just that. Lord, help us to encourage our children. Help us to be a devoted people. A people that's devoted to your word, devoted to our church, devoted to each other, devoted to you. Help us, Lord, to love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And Lord, help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, give us your word tonight and please have your Holy Spirit guide us here. In your name, Jesus, Lord, we pray. Amen. 
So Jesus says, if you don't understand this, you can't understand anything else. So this would be an important issue, wouldn't it? If we don't get this one, we can't get it at all, any of them. If we don't have ears to hear this one, then we can't hear anything at all. So the, the possibility before we get any further is, is that you can hear the sermon and not hear the sermon. I don't want to be that, do you? I want to hear what God is saying. I don't want to just hear it and not hear it. I want to hear it, don't you? It's also possible that you can see it and miss it. So you could see what's going on here, but you could miss what's going on here. It's possible, isn't it? That, that should be, that should be uh, burdensome to all of us. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And someone who is lost, they are blind. They can't see the kingdom of God. And so it's possible to be in a church building and miss it. It's possible to be unaffected by a sermon. And somebody else is moved tremendously by the word of God. It's possible to be in a service and people are worshiping Christ, but in your heart, not moved at all. And so you can hear and not hear. You could see and not see. And the point of it is, is that at that moment, Jesus said, lest any, I speak in parables, lest at any time they might hear it. And I believe this is the work of the Holy Spirit of God in our hearts. That we awaken to the truth. That we are quickened, literally made alive by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if we don't get this one, we can't get anything. That, that is a... Uh, that is a very, very ex exclusive statement. It, it excludes people, rather. If we can't get this one, we can't get them all. So Jesus, since I'm so thankful, he explains it to us. We, we have a commentary on the parable where Jesus explains to his disciples what this means. And so Jesus, in verse 14, begins to expound on the sermon. So there's an after-sermon. So in verse 14 is an explanation of the sower that went forth to sow. So in verse 14, Jesus said, The sower soweth the word. So the sower is either the Lord Jesus Christ or his ministers, or both. So Jesus or his ministers preach the word. So they sow the, they sow the word. So you can imagine tonight, I'm sowing the word. I'm preaching the word. And there, there, are, there are four different conditions of the heart here tonight. And so I'm the sower, I'm a minister of the word, and I'm sowing the word. That is literally what I'm doing right now. I'm preaching the word to you. And so Jesus said, a sower soweth the word. And then Jesus begins to describe those who are by the wayside. And these are they by the wayside, he said in verse number 15. Where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that is sown in their hearts. Immediately, immediately means immediately. And so there's people that are listening to sermons, and the moment they hear it, it's immediately taken away. They are careless listeners, they are unaffected by the gospel. They are unmoved, and the evidence will be this. Their life never is changed by the word of the living God. Never. 
The evidence is in the fruit. The evidence will be in their life. You can't tell it by looking at their faces. There are many people that listen to sermons and they're looking and listening, but at that moment, it's stolen from their heart. They are listening carelessly. They, they hear it, but they do not hear. They see it, but they do not see it. They have no appreciation for the gospel. They hear the word, but immediately the devil takes it from them. They are careless listeners of the gospel. They are by the wayside. Their heart is not here. They are they which hear the word, but immediately the devil takes it away. And the devil's distracted them. They are in the building, but not in the building. Immediately the devil's taken it away. And he works on them, I think, before they come. The word never penetrates their heart. The word never changes their life. There is never faith applied to the word. It is, it is, maybe it's something that one does. It, they go to church or they listen to the preacher and the word is sown, but immediately the devil takes it away. They are careless in the way they listen to God's word being, being preached or proclaimed to them. They're thinking about Facebook. They're thinking about the cuticles on their fingers. They're, they're thinking about something going on in their life. They're thinking about something going on in their family. They're thinking about what's happening to their children. They're adjusting things. They're fidgeting. They're fiddling. They're, they're here, but they're not receiving the Word. They're more concerned about things that are happening in their life than in their life. They're distracted constantly. They hear it, but the devil takes it away. And he works, I think it happens throughout the week. I think the, he, he takes away the initiative to listen. They're so distracted about everything else in their life, they can't focus on what God wants to say to them. They are therefore careless listeners. They are listening carelessly. It's unapplicable to them or unaffected by them. They aren't moved by it. They're worried about everything else in the world but what God has to say. The devil has taken it from them. It happens in the millisecond that it's preached. It's happening right now. It's happening in this sermon, it is. Even in this building, it's happening right now. And I was preparing my heart to, to, this afternoon to preach this, and I was praying that this sermon would provoke some of our hearts to jealousy and concern that we would be thinking, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the careless listener. I don't want to be the listener that is by the wayside. That I want God's Word to get in me, and I want to live it, and I want to, it to produce fruit in my life. I hope and pray that I'm not the careless listener, don't you? I hope I'm coming here wanting to receive the Word of God. So Jesus says, these are they which are by the wayside. Satan immediately cometh and taketh away the Word that was sown into their hearts. No fruit. Secondly, in verse 16 through 17, Jesus describes the heart that is like the stony ground. And Jesus says in verse 16, these are the, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. I've seen this type of listener. They are so excited to hear the word. You would think they love the word, and in that moment they do. 
in that moment, they are excited by it. They are thrilled by what they're listening to. It's confusing to us. We think how it is received, it will, that, that that will prove that it's been applied to our heart. But the proof is in the fruit. It's always in the fruit. And so, those people who are like the stony ground, they are so eager and excited about the Word. And I'll be honest with you, as a minister now, somebody comes new and they're super excited. And they're thrilled and they're on fire it seems and they've rushed to the altar and they're ready to go and they want to join the church and they are ready and they, it seems like they are just been struck by the gospel. Because of this passage and because of experience, I'm starting to have this thought in my mind, we will see. We're going to find out, won't we? Jesus says that they immediately receive it with gladness in verse 16. But verse 17, and no root in themselves, so they endure for a time. They are, they are excited, the excitement of what they heard, it's enough for a time. It's enough to bring them back next week or the week after that, maybe a month or two. They endure for a time. Haven't you seen folks that endure for a time? How many of us have wondered, where has they been? You remember, they were so excited. You ever said that? They were on fire. They went to the altar. They joined the church. They got baptized. It seemed like they were on fire. And they were. It endured for a time. Verse 17, they had no root in themselves. And so endure for a time, but afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, anything that because of the gospel becomes a hardship in their life. Anything that becomes difficult for them because of the Word, because of the Word's sake, Jesus said in verse 17. Listen, I want to pause here. If you've been following Jesus for a length of time and you've maintained a relationship with Jesus Christ through hardship and difficult times and hard moments in your life and being persecuted for the Gospel and you've kept following Jesus and you follow Jesus through the hard times, the valleys, and, the, and the, uh, the afflicted times, then your heart should take some confidence and say, praise the Lord, my faith is not the faith of those who are the seed landed on stony ground. I wasn't just enthusiastic. I must have faith in Jesus or I would not have suffered for Jesus' sake. You should be, have assurance because of that. You should thank God because of that. The heart that is like the stony ground, they're excited. They receive it with gladness, but there's no root. No root, no fruit. Impressions that aren't deep don't last, Matthew Henry said. If it's not deep, it won't last. It's not real faith. It's an excitement, but it's not real. It's not life transforming. It's just the new thing. It's just the new hobby, the new interest. But when it gets hard, Jesus said the sun, the persecution comes up and it dries it up because there is no fruit, no root in their life. Those that fall among the thorns, Jesus describes them in verse 18 and 19. And he says, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. But the Bible says, and Jesus says, that the cares of this world 
and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it also, Jesus says, becometh unfruitful. My experience is this happens in middle age often. That someone makes a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, they are following the Lord Jesus Christ, but then the cares of this world begin to happen. Jesus says the deceitfulness of riches begin to happen. Career, money becomes more important than faith. Finances become more important than knowing Jesus. Keeping a job or advancing one's career becomes a priority. A lot of these are often camouflaged in something good, like the cares of life. Well, it often happens in middle age because I've noticed becoming a parent becomes difficult. It becomes harder to follow Jesus when it's the whole family that's counting on you to follow Jesus. It becomes harder to follow Jesus when the kids are up late Saturday night and you're going to continue and get the whole family together for Sunday school the next morning. It becomes harder, doesn't it? It becomes harder to follow Jesus when people are counting on you for money and you have to make sacrifices and choices and the cares of life and deceitfulness of riches. And notice this, the lust of other things also begin to choke out the word. The hobbies of life, the interest of life, and then you have children wanting to do things and all these conflicting schedules begin to happen into our lives and we're going to have to make a choice. Am I going to continue a walk of faith or will the cares of life begin to choke out the Word? And literally they choke out the Word. There's many people it seems they can follow Jesus when life is easy and they walk alone, but then when the cares of life begin to happen, it begins to change, doesn't it? There's a lot of people that used to come to church until they got married. They used to follow Jesus until they had children. They used to follow Jesus until they got a job. Many young people used to follow Jesus until they got their driver's license. So was their faith only hanging on because they didn't have another option? Were they only coming to church because their family went to church? Were they only praying because their parents encouraged them to pray? Some people, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of life, sometimes it happens at the death of a spouse. Life changes. Someone passed away. And then we find out it wasn't their faith, but it was the faith of their spouse. Or Papaw died. It was the Papaw's faith, it seemed, that made the family religious. But when life changed, it seemed, and he passed away, the family, it seemed, faith-wise, began to splinter. I want to insert that possibly allow it to be in your mind that these people never were saved to begin with. They had not real faith. It was choked out. The sun come up and persecuted them and withered away. It never hit them in their heart. It wasn't real at all. It was just convenient. There's a lot of people who follow Jesus for convenience sake, but the moment it becomes inconvenient, you forget it. Forget it. The cares of life. This uh, past month, just see, last week, we got a, uh, get this, a $315 electric bill in the mail in my house. You ever had one of them? I don't know what caused it. I'm trying to figure it out. What is sucking up all that electricity in my house? But I'm not, am I going to stop following Jesus because my day was hard? Absolutely not. Cannot Jesus take care of my problems? Absolutely he can. 
Would I deny my faith because my kids become more interested in other things? Would I deny my faith because I have a new girlfriend or I have... And I don't, by the way. <laughs> Would I deny my faith because... Because something changed in my life? Absolutely not. If your faith in Jesus Christ is real, it will endure life changes. If your faith in Christ is real, if you were saved at 18 and true faith in Jesus Christ, who you marry will not turn your heart from Jesus. If your faith is real in Christ, children cannot turn your heart from Jesus. If your faith is real and it's true and you've been saved and you're born from above and you have the anointing of the Holy One as 1 John chapter 2 teaches us and if you have the hope and this hope causes you to purify yourself that you are a child of God and when He doeth appear you shall be like Him and whoever hath this hope purifieth himself. If that is in you, then there's nothing in your life that will become more influential than he that is in you, which is greater than the world. There's been so many people who've listened and it seems to have responded to the gospel, but the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, hobbies, interest, life changes, children, marriage, money, seems to choke out the word that was sown. Don't you see life creeping and choking out the Word? I have three kids now, and it seems more bills than ever. And life is complicated, isn't it? Life is more challenging now than it ever has been. I have a ministry to maintain. I have a church to attend. I have, I have, a, I have a marriage after tonight to repair. I have, a, I have children to raise. I have family obligations. Is my faith in Christ able to sustain itself? Is Christ able to be more powerful and influential? He is. He is. If that word was sown in good ground. Amen? Now, this only makes sense before we get to the last one. If you believe, this only makes sense... This is the mystery of the kingdom of God, Jesus said in verse number 11. This is what it looks like. This is what the gospel looks like. The gospel be preached. Some people care less. Some people get really excited and then it fizzles out. Some people do good until life changes, the cares of this world happen, and it chokes it out. And then later on you'll see no fruit later on because life has become more appealing or distracting to them than the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the mystery of the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying this is what it'll look like on earth. This is what it is. This only makes sense if you believe that Christianity or Jesus in the heart of a sinner changes their life. That he makes them a new creature. Just a reminder, does he really? Yes. The Bible says, Galatians chapter number 5, verse number 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is 
This is what it looks like. This is what conversion is. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. This only makes sense if you believe that knowing Jesus produces fruit. The Bible teaches that knowing Jesus produces fruit. It's clearly a New Testament principle. No fruit, no Jesus. No fruit, no conversion. No fruit, no new birth. Jesus says, did he not say that you shall know them by the fruits that they bear? Again, I've said it a lot lately, but I think God is doing something because we need a revival of Christianity. And what is Christianity? And I'm almost through. What does Christianity look like on earth? What is the mystery of the kingdom of God? If anyone be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A good tree, Jesus said, cannot produce corrupt fruit. Jesus said a corrupt tree cannot, cannot produce good fruit. We shall know them by their fruit. Corrupt trees make corrupt fruit. Good trees make good fruit. And Jesus said you will know them by this. We'll know them. Now some might say, doesn't the Bible say that we shouldn't judge? Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. So if you judge, you're going to be held to the same standard by which you judge somebody else. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that we're incapable of judging because in the same chapter, Jesus described false prophets and that they are wolves in sheep's clothing. They're wolves. You need to be aware of that. Making a critical observation that we need to be able to do. Christianity produces fruit. Jesus produces fruit. And I, I want to be clear. Here's the mystery of the kingdom of God. No fruit, no root. You cannot interpret it any other way. Now, some might say, well, what about my fruit? It's less than hers or less than his. I'm glad that Jesus, in the next passage, gives us room to grow. Jesus says, verse 20, the good ground. These are they which are sown on good ground. Here's what they're like. They hear the word, such as hear the word. They receive the word and bringing forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. Some are going to bring a lot of fruit. Some are going to grow from 30 to 60. Some will grow from 30 to 100-fold. Especially if you John 15 it, if you abide in Him, you might bring forth much fruit, He said. But all who hear it and receive it produce fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100. 
Some, it's going to take a while. Some are going to like, look like they're shot out of a cannon, but they're going to keep going and keep producing fruit. It will be a consistent testimony of their life. Why? Because they're in good ground. And if you've ever planted a tomato plant, you know you don't plant it in the gravel driveway. If you've ever planted mums, you know you don't plant it in the briar patch. You plant it on good ground. And you know if it's in good ground, it will produce fruit. Because it's in good ground. What is the good ground? It's a heart that receives the Word of God and the evidence will not be an excitement, will not be an immediately springing up. No, the evidence will be fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100. How do we know they received it? In other words, how do we know it made it in the heart? How do we know it was planted? How do we know it wasn't superficial? They went through persecution and they're still growing. You see what? This is the mystery of the kingdom of God, Jesus said. This should give us the answers to people when we say this about our loved ones. And let's be able to talk honestly because this is an eternal question that needs to be answered on their behalf. We need to be able to say this about our loved ones. You know, I remember they went down to an altar. I remember they knelt down. I remember they said they knew Jesus. I remember when they got baptized. I remember that they came to church about three months. But you know what? After that... It seemed like they went back to the way they were. It seemed like after that they never went to church again. It seemed like after that they never possessed Christian fruit. Why can't we be honest and say, I'm not sure if they have real faith in Jesus Christ. Based upon what? Upon what Jesus is telling us. On what God is saying in his word. Let's leave our biases aside. Let's take the emotion out of it. Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's let God speak to us. Let's let God be the final authority. Let's let him be the truth. Not me. I don't have the right, nor do I have the right to say they're lost or saved, but I certainly have the permission, according to Jesus, to look at that tree and say, it doesn't seem like a good tree. I don't have assurance that that seed went in good ground. Why? I ain't even seen tenfold fruit. Seems like they sprung up and withered away. This is the mystery of the kingdom of God, Jesus said. So how we listen to the word of God is important, isn't it? And how we respond to it is even more important. Saving faith produces a new creation in those who trust in Jesus. Now look, somebody gets converted, somebody gets born again. Listen, in one week there might not be the changes of someone who's been following Jesus for 20 years. Amen? At the first ounce of victory in their life, you could say, praise God what God is doing. 
And you be encouraged. You know what? They keep coming and they're struggling with sin and they're still following Jesus and they're struggling with their sin and they're still following Jesus and their friends make fun of them and they're still following Jesus and then over time they're being sanctified and they're reading the Bible and they're coming to church and they're praying and they're denying themselves and they're laying aside the weights, the sins that easily beset them and after a year of it, they're sinning less. They're becoming more like Jesus. They still struggle. They've been made fun of. They keep following Jesus. What can we say then about this person? This person's faith seems to be true. This person's faith seems to be real. This person's growing in the Lord. This person's still following Jesus. This person's life is changing. This person, they receive the word in good ground. Amen? Amen. Let's get an invitation together. I just want us to be honest. I told you my father, my mother talked to him at the Burger King before he passed away. I think it was the Burger King she told me. They were at a restaurant weeks before he died. My father told me, my father told me years ago that he got saved at the Methodist Church, Lincoln Park, is that right? Lincoln Park Methodist Church. One of the first Bibles I ever got was from my father. It was a red Bible, and in the front cover of it, it was given to my dad at the first, at the Methodist Baptist Church in Lincoln Park. It was my dad's Bible. I never saw my dad read the Bible. I never saw, I never heard my dad talk about the Bible. I, I never heard my dad, I never heard him say, uh, I never heard him say because uh, we're not allowed to. That's not the word. I never heard him say, why don't you pray about it? Never. I never heard him say, why don't you trust God? I never heard him say, hey, Mary, you, you get you a Christian woman. Don't date anybody that's not a Christian. I wouldn't date anybody that's not marital material anyway. You're wasting your time. I never got any spiritual counseling from my dad. So I was worried. My dad was a good person but I saw no fruit in his life. I talked to him one day, a couple, let's see, 10 years ago about it. I remember that moment in the den, and I asked him, I said, hey, I said, I love you, and I will make sure that you know Jesus for your sake, but mine too, and that was my ploy. I did it out of love. I said, because I love you, I care about you. You've always been good to me, and I shared the gospel with him, and he told me again. He told me again, that he got saved at that Methodist church, Lincoln Park Methodist Church. I'll be honest with you, though, still I didn't know. We were talking about my dad's soul. Because I, I believe the New Testament teaches, and I, I learned it from the Bible. They told me to read the Bible, so I did it. That the Bible says that there'll be some evidence. So then my mother, again, just weeks before he passed away, asked him again at the Burger King, if he knows the Lord, has he been saved? Is he right with God? And he told her that he was. He told her that he knew Jesus and he's, he was saved. And I'll be honest with you, even to this day, I don't, I don't really have assurance that uh, my father is in heaven right now. So when I say what I said tonight, I'm just trying to be scripturally honest. What, what I'm saying to you is something that I have trouble dealing with. 
What I'm telling, I'm, this is coming from somebody that is not at a position where I don't have to worry about this. This is a huge deal for me. Because we're talking about heaven or hell. We're talking about the person knows the Lord or not. So when I, when I say to you that we should be able to look at our lives and it ought to give us assurance, and it also ought to, we ought to look at other people's lives and we should, we should have assurance or not. This is coming from a place that I, I know what it feels like. I hope and pray my dad, when he was a young man, he did. He bowed his heart and called on the name of the Lord and gave his heart to Jesus. I hope and pray that maybe he's the one that just bore the least amount of fruit and that he barely got to heaven by the skin of his teeth, not that it's by works at all, but that he got saved and that was just the way my dad was. I hope and pray that's the case. But I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know. When I die and they have my funeral, I want at least my children to be able to say that my dad knew the Lord, and I can tell you why. My dad followed Jesus, and I can prove to you that he did. That's what, that's what I want. And I hope and pray that you can say the same thing. Because it's pretty important to your family. But at the same time, if you know somebody like my dad, they need the gospel. They need to follow Jesus. And be willing to open up your heart to the possibility, because we all want our family saved so bad, but be willing to open up your heart to the possibility that maybe they don't know Jesus. I heard Nelda say just the other night, she said, I come to this church, I came to this church for a long time and I wasn't even saved. That's right, ain't it, Nelda? And then she got born again. Listen, let's open our heart to the possibility that if there's no fruit, there may be no root. This is the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. We ought to be able to examine and be honest with ourselves. It might be your kid. That's why it is eternally important that you have honest conversation with your own kid. If there is no fruit in their life, then please speak to them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. All you can do is share the gospel again. And that's good, ain't it? And let's say they're backslidden, then they need, to go, they need to come back, don't they? Please don't just rest their eternal soul on you saw them walk down an aisle. Because Nelda said she thought she was saved and she wasn't. I'm not trying to sow doubt. I'm not trying, I'm not at all inserting, I'm about through. I'm not all implying that our assurance comes from walking down an aisle. Our assurance comes from faith in Jesus Christ evidenced by works. Without faith, without works, our faith is dead. No fruit, no root. And the witness of the Holy Spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. We need to be willing to be honest. And pray to God we get there fast. Because there are so many people that say they know Christ. But I wonder, has the word been choked out? The persecution come and dry it up? There's no fruit, no fruit. No fruit. Let's just be willing to be honest. Let's sing together. You open up your heart to the truth. Amen? Even if it's inconvenient, even if it's hard or difficult.